My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and I'm the founder of NC Real Estate, which is the home for its members club, which is the place to build the best strategy to build a mixed use and commercial property portfolio that completely hits your financial goals. How are you doing this week? I'm trying out something new. For those of you who've been following me on Instagram, you would know that over the last couple of months, I've been renovating this new home that we've got in Charleston, South Carolina. Honestly, it is gorgeous. And one of the spaces in the house, I said that I would convert into a studio slash study space slash quiet area. And today I'm sat in that studio. It's not quite finished, but I wanted to test it out for kind of sound quality, how it looks light-wise and all of that, because whilst I can get to perfection, really you can't get to perfection without testing and testing and testing and testing. Now, this space that I've chosen is a nook off of our laundry room. It used to be a walk-in wardrobe, but every single room or bedroom in this house already has a walk-in wardrobe. And the laundry room has enough storage space that I can store all my laundry bits in there, so I didn't need it. So what I did one weekend was I set about just taking everything out of this space and looking at how big it is and took it all out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could fit a desk, a chair in here. I could put a really nice backdrop. It could look absolutely beautiful. So I set about doing that. It's taken me a little bit of time just because I wanted to try and do it myself as much as humanly possible. Now, the things I didn't do myself was I didn't decorate it. That was all part of the decoration for the house. I didn't fit the electric plug socket because there was no plug socket in here, but I had that fitted by local electrician who put that at desk height for me. I laid carpet in here. So I put rubber matting underneath the carpet, then I put the carpet down, I've wallpapered it, I've now got my desk in here, which I absolutely love, I've got my nice chair in here, which you can see, you can see some of the wallpaper behind me if you're watching on the YouTube channel, otherwise it's just some gorgeous, gorgeous um, blue and white patterned wallpaper, I absolutely love it. This is going to be my space, it needs a little bit more, I think maybe it's a little bit echoey in here still. So potentially it needs some um, foam on the walls or something on the walls to stop um, the sound from bouncing so much off of it. But that's okay. I could probably put some storage in here. And I think it needs a little bit more lighting. I haven't really figured that out yet. Um, whereas when I'm downstairs in this house, um, I'm always sat in front of a window. So I've got streams of light coming in. But the one thing about American suburbia is that there is always someone mowing when the uh, weather is nice, there's leaf blowers going, or you've got the rubbish people coming round, or you know, you've got delivery drivers who seem to always ring on the doorbell, even if there is a sign outside saying, don't ring on the doorbell. Um, and then the dog goes mad and you name it, um, the podcast ends up going downhill. So I really wanted this space it's also really nice because, you know, sometimes you just want to shut yourself away, no phones, no emails going off, none of that, and you just want to be able to think. So hopefully this will be a good space, and 
when we Airbnb this house, which I'll actually be really sad to because we put so much love and everything into it. But when we Airbnb, it'll be lovely for somebody to have that quiet little nook as well. And then every time I come back here, I've always got this space. So I'm really pleased with it. It's coming on. Still got a little bit more to do. Um, but certainly um, it feels very much like home, very much like an area and a space that I love to be in. And I'm now doing all of the additional um, renovations pretty cheaply, you know, because we did the big things in the redecoration of this whole house. Um, and the next kind of step is just making it look a bit more cosy because I do tend to find that if you put on white on all of the walls, then it's great, but it looks really sterile and I don't want a sterile looking house. I want a gorgeous looking house, which, you know, you come into and you feel warm, you feel cosy. I must admit, one of the big problems with these houses is that they are built to keep the sun, sun out because down here in South Carolina, come the summer, it is hot, it's humid. And so part of the house is built so that it will never be in the sun so that in the summertime, you always got rooms that are shady. But with that, they are cold in the winter, really, really cold. And the heating system, because the heating runs off of the air conditioning, it's not like a proper heating system, so it never warms up really. It's only really the upper floors of this house. So the bedrooms, which really do heat up everywhere else, doesn't really heat up as well. So I'm also really glad that we're coming into spring. <laughs> because it means that you know this house feels a lot warmer but you know there's so many cozy places I've put rugs and nice pillows everywhere and of course all the beds have English style bedding on them and that will also sound really crazy but it's duvets with duvet covers uh, not comforters with sheets and I know that's a very English thing um but I think it's far more hygienic in a uh, Airbnb as well, because you can then wash the whole thing. If someone decides not to use your sheet and just to use your comforter, then you should really have to wash the comforter. But trying to put a comforter in the washing machine does not work very well at all. So, um, and for those of you, if you don't know what a comforter is, it's essentially a duvet with uh, the duvet cover around it, but it's all sewn in, so you can never get the duvet cover off. Yeah, and then you have a sheet underneath it. And I think this is a US versus UK thing. So any of my US listeners, I know you'll probably be thinking, Natasha, I don't get your way of doing it. Well, it's the one thing that I don't get the American way of doing it. And also American bedding or US bedding is very expensive incredibly expensive think about three times the amount it costs for us to get bedding in the UK so a lot of the time whenever I have packages coming from my parents they they shove you know some nice bedding in there and really the Primark bedding is far better quality than the bedding that you can get out here that's expensive I guess that's just the differences in culture and the differences of how things are going. So, yep, still re renovating this property. If you want to see more pictures, head on over to my Instagram at Natasha C. Collins. That's where I'm putting everything. That's where you need to come and have a look and see what I've got going on. Always posting things over there. Always 
um, making sure that I'm keeping you up to date with what's going on on my day today. So today, main subject of this podcast. Last week, we got the announcement in the UK that there is now this tiered approach to opening up with the hope. And remember that Boris Johnson said subject to everything going okay. So he has caveated himself. Let's just pop that out there. Um, that by June 21st, he's hoping, it, hoping that the UK will open up. Great. Brilliant news. Of course. Like, that's what everybody's been hoping for. A date. Again, date's not set in stone. He might have made it look like it was, but listen to his language. You know that that guy is not promising stuff. He can't promise anything. He's terrible at organising things. So just remember what you've just been through. And then the same guy has just told you that he's opening everything up on the 21st of June, subject to whatever he's got subject to, right? So let's just be aware. It's like property investors, when you say subject to contract on your agreements, that is subject to the contract being drawn up. Okay, so just be aware of that caveat that he's put out there. But I think it's really important at this moment in time that we, we've, we've actually got a little bit of a runoff that we can prepare for things to start happening, right? How often do you get told that the, the country will be opening potentially on a certain date? So here we are. Um, this will be going out on the 2nd of March. We're 24 hours at that point away from the March 3rd budget where anything can kind of go on. So um, let's just be really, really, really wary of that to start off with. Um, I don't know what's going to be in there. We've heard rumours of increased tax and um, that kind of thing. Do we know? Not yet. We'll know tomorrow. So we have in this in essence, have a couple of months runoff. March, April, May, June. Got four months, and then hopefully, all being well, things start opening again. Now, we do need to be aware, aware of some things. Now, the market is now looking incredibly optimistic. There's a lot more people booking service accommodation. If you've seen, I've had um, people getting in contact with me who had their bookings cancelled last year on Airbnb, asking me when I'm going to be opening my flat my service accommodation again i'm actually not going to be opening that again until the 1st of january 2022 there are reasons for that the main one being i have got a good tenant in there paying a lot of rent right that's it and they want to move out at the end of the year because they're going to be buying a development development will be finished about november time so they'll move out at christmas fine so i'm not going to be opening that again until January 2022, I have been keeping people's details and I said I'd get in contact with them so that they can come stay in my flat um, next year. Great. It's like a waiting list. And I, I really want you guys to think about that too. If you haven't got your service accommodation open or you had to cancel bookings from uh, last year, please do reach out to these people again. Tell them when you're planning on opening your service accommodation and how they can book maybe start thinking about putting in place a discount if they book. You know, sorry you didn't get to come last year. I will give you a 10% or 15% discount if you book um, 
this year once I am open. So again, think about that. That might be a really good incentive to get people into your unit. Um, so there's optimism. We're seeing that. That optimism has also led to some stalling right now because people are thinking, okay, well, if everything's open in July, I don't need to move right now. I don't need to put my house in the market. I will just continue focusing on lockdown, getting my family through, finding out when I can get my vaccine, you know, I'm, I'm working from there. So whilst July, we might see a lot of activity right now, you might see activity slow down. Some of the things that we've seen are sellers pulling out of selling. One of the things that you could do is delay the sale until July. Think about how you can negotiate that into the deal. That can be a really key part of what you are planning, what you're doing. I mean, it gives you time as well to go and raise finance. And you're looking in prices now where they potentially, and I'm not saying guaranteed, I'm saying potentially, could be lower today than when the market opens and everybody wants to uh, start moving forward. So think about how you stretch that deal. If a seller is looking a little bit wobbly, like, oh, you know, the market's delayed right now. The reason being is lockdown, convincing is taking forever, searches are taking forever. Why not think about saying to them, okay, that's fine. Don't worry, we'll just do this in July. You can look for your house, you know, come June time when things will start coming back on the market. If that's what you want to say. So you've still got everything moving forward. Put a delay on the searches because you don't want the searches to expire. Searches tend to run out every every three months. So you would need to do that again if you had that done now. Put that on hold, but say, don't worry, I will buy at that time. I'm not dependent on anything selling in order for me to buy this property. So that's absolutely fine. So think about the habits uh, that people are, are changing right now. You know, everybody's gearing up for the second half of the year. Great. How can you support that while still, still being there and agreeing deals that would really work for you? So again, think about that. Now, another thing I really want to advocate for right now is can we please start checking our bank accounts and making sure that we've got a pot of savings set aside? Far too often, investors get gung-ho in investing and spending money on deals, and that is great, fantastic. But put something, something for a rainy day in a savings account. I know it doesn't make as much interest as it would if it's in property, but you've got to have something sitting around just in case. Because when we start seeing things open up again, that's when you're also going to start to see more problems because tenants who've been living with things or, you know, those of you with leasehold buildings, your block managers probably haven't been doing things as much recently, but chances are we'll get to a point where they start going out and they're like, Okay, so we're going to be doing this work, this work, this work. You need a savings pot in order to be able to afford that. Um, you need to be able to afford any problems that are going on. You'll need to be able to afford reletting a place in uh, July if you've got letting agents coming out. So please, let's start focusing on putting a little bit of money aside. I would actually aim for £5,000. Can you get £5,000 together? Put £5,000 into a savings account and just leave it alone. 
if you can do that, that gives you um, a little bit of stability. And look, we are not currently out of recession. We're not. The economy still looks wild. Businesses still have to hold on for the next four months before things fully open, which means that they cannot afford to be paying their staff. So staff will stay on furlough or they might even be making their furloughed staff redundant because when they open up again, they're not going to have the same cash reserves that they did when they closed down because after all, they've been paying for the premises um, and paying for any business expenditure, which you have to do on a monthly basis, regardless of whether you're paying a team or not. They'll have still had to be paying that even if their business had been shut or it had been closed down. So we've still got the potential for more layoffs. We've still got the potential for more businesses to go under. It could be that the government grants and the um, furlough scheme is just delaying the inevitable. And so that will then mean that you might not get your rents in, right? There may be a couple of months where it's a bit rocky. You need money in your savings for if that happens, because you have to look after yourself first, right? No one else is going to come in and give you money when you say you're struggling. You have to use whatever money you've got coming in right now just to prop yourself up a little bit. So please, 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 right now, as a result of this podcast, go look at your bank account, make sure you've got a little bit of money stashed away for any emergencies. Really vital. Let's talk about that economy as well. In terms of commercial, one thing that I am seeing is... A lot of the large investment firms selling off huge amounts of their portfolio, but the very low yielding parts of their portfolio, the stuff that is incredibly valuable. And for those who don't know, when we're talking about commercial, the lower the yield, the lower the risk, so the higher the value of the property. And we're seeing those come to market right now. And that means that they are tr- they've put these property portfolios into a really good condition, or at least what they think is a really good condition, valued it high, and then have said, okay, right, what I'm going to do is sell this part of the portfolio because over the next six to eight months, there's going to be a lot more commercial deals coming up, you know, which are more risky. And I can use the money that I get in from these less risky sales in order to buy the higher risk and turn them into lower risk and sell them on again. Why is that such a good strategy? Well, because the pension pots right now and the um, insurance firms who buy up very low risk property will always be looking for that, especially with the, the kind of dodginess around freeholds right now. I say dodginess. <laughs> As if that's a word. Okay, but you know what I mean? There's Freeholds are looking like worse and worse and worse investments because there is so much anti-freeholders going on around the market. So these pension pots and insurance firms depend on them. But actually, if they can sell those or they can think, okay, I'll just park that, that could be a problematic property. I'm going to start buying these um, really low yield 
high income, high value properties, which are going to be secure for X amount of time going forward. So we're seeing a lot of that come to market. We've seen massive Tesco portfolios come to the market, massive student let properties come to the market, huge amounts of industrial. And interestingly enough, we're also starting to see a lot of office space coming to the market too. I mean, going back to student lets, the reason we're seeing that is because um, with this optimism over the country open again by July, that means that they're expecting students to come back for September 2021. And therefore, the student property market picking up. Do I honestly think that that is going to be um, the whole of the story? No, seeing a huge amount of academic institutions now go to distance learning as well. So I don't think there will be the demand for beds. But what you will see these big investors doing is going, well, now there's optimism in this part of the market, we're going to offload that just in case. But it still looks like a low risk investment, because what they do is they lease these student buildings out to um, student letting companies, similar to like a rent to rent model, but they all they do is they um, let to students and they work student unions, and they get students in that way. Um, and they take it for a 10, 15 year lease um, and they pay a set amount of rent every single year. So that actually looks really good because you're not depending on getting individual students in. Which is why um, we're seeing a lot of these come to the market. The um, sellers are hoping to capitalise on the optimism, although probably also knowing that come September 2021, there probably wouldn't be as big a demand as there were was if we think back to September 2019. We're also seeing a lot of optimism in the office market. Huge amounts of office development has started to get underway. And I think what, what we're seeing there is demand for hubs. You know, in Oxford and, um, yeah, in Oxford, we're seeing a lot of hubs for medical firms. In Cambridge, we are seeing a lot of demand for from technology firms. You know, and so what we're seeing is, pockets coming available where complementary office space uh, is going in and taking space next door to each other, which is interesting. And I think we're going to start to see more demand for that. Certainly South and Southwest London is seeing more office space and we're seeing more office space demand in Bristol. Um, parts of the Southwest Midlands, not so much, but again, it's growing. What we have to be doing is offering space that fits the demand of local businesses rather than just putting any old space in the market and expecting it to go. It's not going to happen like that. We have to work with local business hubs. And when things start to open, it will be about um, going and seeing local businesses and seeing what they need and seeing if you can provide that for them. But again, lots of optimism in the commercial market. Yes, tenants may be struggling right now. The tenants that survive this, though, are going to be fabulous tenants to have going forward, because what they will have been doing is planning for the reopening, planning how they can change their business. I'm hoping, and this is me hoping, that they will have got strategies in place, such as, you know, marketing strategies to get people interested in what they do and bring, um, them back in. Look, if you notice right now that your tenant is struggling, all I can say to you is payment plan, payment plan, payment plan. Please, can we get our tenants on 
payment plans. Um, this is going to be really helpful between now and July as well, because what you don't want is any of your tenants, residential or commercial, running up huge amount of arrears because it will be so difficult come July for them to um, try and pay them back. Instead, even if they're paying on the drip, you know, like a hundred pounds a week, heck, 50 pound a week, you know, something, whatever they can afford, get that coming in. Because the lower the amount of arrears, once we get to July, the better for you as the landlord to collect these rents. It is so vital, guys, that we are doing that. So talk to your tenants. If nothing else, talk to your tenants, find out how they're doing, find out about their financial stability, have a conversation, pick up the phone. I've had one of um, my tenants pick up the phone to me this week and say, hey, you know, it's been a tough time. I want to move out of London. Um, it's getting kind of expensive for me to be down here. And all I said to them was, what do you need? What's going on? And they said, well, I really want to stay in this flat. I love it. Um, so what do we agree to do? Drop the rent just a little bit for the next couple of months to help them going forward. And one thing that I found out about that tenant was that they had bought themselves a home up north, but they wanted to rent it out. So also what I can do is give them a little bit of advice of how to rent the other one out so it can afford to pay for the increase in rent in the flat that they really want to be in. It's about helping our tenants right now. Things aren't going to be perfect. Things are still going to be a struggle. Yeah, everything may open up in on the 21st of June, but we've still got to deal with the fallout. We're going to have to um, pay back all of this money that the government have just been chucking around. We're going to have to help the tenants get back on their feet that have struggled through this time. And we're going to have to have patience and compassion and empathy. We're also going to have to make sure that we can look after ourselves because if we look after ourselves and we have that savings pot, it means that we're not, if a tenant has a problem, we're not gonna be acting out of a place of anger or fear that we can't afford something. We're gonna be acting from a place of, okay, how can I help this tenant get back to paying rent? Really important. We have to understand what's going on. We have to understand that it's not going to all be roses from July. There is a long way to go. It's positive that things open up. It's positive that the UK are doing such a phenomenal job of vaccine rollout. I cannot fault that. But we have to go into this with our eyes wide open. How can we make sure that we are still supporting our tenants, we're still making an income whilst we can still move forward with our property investment journeys? I mean, the other thing is the strategies that you set now, the goals you set for your properties, you're going to have to stick to your guns harder than ever in July because you know with optimism, things come to the market that are more expensive because everybody's like, yeah, the market is now open. Everybody can move around. People are going to be wanting to be buying. But of course, we know that we don't buy over the odds. We buy at what makes sense for the deal. So again, we have to be thinking about now putting in place that mindset, that strategy, those goals, so that come 
July, we're not overpaying, we're not getting sucked into the optimistic market where everybody's being very bullish. Instead, we just play the long game, we're consistent, our mindset's on track, but that all comes from practice. You know, if you want something to happen, it doesn't just happen, there's so much buildup that goes into that. And we have to remember that. Whilst we could have these dates on our diary that we're looking forward to, the work starts now, guys. The work starts now so that for the second half of the year, you are in better shape. I think when we get to December, if you start putting all I've said into practice, how epic, how epic will you look back on your year and think, oh my gosh, I did so well this year. And the reason being, I planned from early on. The minute I knew that things were changing, I had a plan in place for how to make that a success. So there we have it. Fantastic news that we may be coming out of lockdown, but we really need to focus on what we can do now to make sure that we come out of it in the best possible condition. I hope this has been a really, really, really useful podcast. Now, one thing I do have to tell you is that this month, the the webinar that I'm hosting on the 29th of March, 6.30pm UK time, is all about an introduction to commercial property and how to invest in commercial property. If you want to come to that webinar, you need to go to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash March 2021 and sign up. It is going to be awesome. I am so excited for it. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.